Hello everybody, hello! It's a fantastic, beautiful Monday and welcome to the Witty Writers Show. I am Beth Wearsdale, author, and I'm here live with a fantastic J. Michael White. Hello, Jason! Hello, how are you today? I am fantastic. I'm so excited about today, honestly, Jason. Um, and we are live via Facebook and YouTube, so hello, 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 everybody. Um, Jason... Oh my gosh, you've been on such a massive journey through your adult life. My gosh. Um, you blow my mind, I've got to tell you. Um, now, you are just about to release your fantastic new book. And I've got an image here, but I know you've got a copy. So if you'd like to show us, it's called Just In Case and the Masters of the Metal Dragon. Da, da, da. Dragon Metal. What did I say? <laughs> the Metal Dragon. Oh my god! Try, so, trying to get me sued from whoever wrote that book. I don't probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! You know what it is? It's my brain's working quicker than my, my gobble the other way around. I don't know. Um, it is a fantastic, fantastic cover. It really, really is. And and you actually came up with the premise yourself, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I came up with the premise just in terms of what I wanted it to look like, but I'm not nearly talented enough to put something like that together in a way that people would want to look at. So <laughs> I, I had a great cover designer, um, Elementi Studios, who put that together for me. And I, I hope she doesn't plan on retiring anytime in the next 10 years, because I'll be using her for every book moving forward. Really pleased with, with what she did. Well, I don't blame you because it's absolutely stunning. If you could hold it up again. Yeah. Because as soon as as soon as I saw your book cover, I I am I, literally a mental picture of me wearing it with your logo, the dragon logo, on a t-shirt. I'm like, I no. so I so want that. <laughs> well, uh, eventually, after after probably book three, I'll start going to conventions, and I'll, I maybe I'll have t-shirts. I know for sure I'll have like banners and posters. Oh yeah, but maybe t-shirts a good idea. I'll I'll make a note of that. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you, they're great for merchandising and giveaways. I love my T-shirts. I really do. We've got lots of people joining us. I'm going to pop them up and say hello. We've got the wonderful Heather Skinner. She says hello to you both, Gemma and I. Hi, Heather. How are you? Because it's to Gemma. She's gorgeous. She's so cute. Um, we've also got Dominique. She says, hi, Beth Wearsdale, and hi, J. Michael White. Hi, Dominic. You're awesome. Thank you for joining. They're fantastic. They're fantastic. Now, I just want to, before we before we go more about your journey, I just want to intrigue everybody because your your blurb for your book is fantastic. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read it out. Mankind lost the battle for its soul without knowing. Evil one, and no chosen ones are coming to the rescue. Enter just in case. Am I saying that right? Is that case? Yes, it's supposed to sound like. Just in case. Yes, yeah, I joke. love that. I love that. <laughs> Enter just in case a foster kid in the run on the run in Chicago. He finds himself drawn to the underbelly of civilization, where the three great schools of magic are crippled by their own corruption and unable to push back against the great dark. Monsters from Babylonian myth, demons, and the enthralled thrive beneath the notice of everyone. Only one force of good remains, an ancient magic called dragon metal. And Justin is determined to learn its secrets. 
But how much of a difference can one person make in a world that's already fallen? There's no fate, no destiny, only metal, and those brave enough to wield it. Do, do, do. It sounds like an epic movie. And, and well read. I, I volunteer you for the audiobook version. So you, you, you just auditioned for that and didn't even know it. <laughs> I keep being asked to narrate my own, but I'm like, mm, should I? I, I yes, you know, that, was, that was wonderful. You should totally do it. Yeah, but you have to do different voices, don't you? I'm not sure I could do that. You don't go that different because if you do that different, it becomes more of a distraction than an actual help. I agree. Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. Well, you're on. I'll do that for you. Because I'm, so I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Oh, Dominique, look, loves it. Wow. See? There we go. There we go. You already is... have a fan base. Exactly. Well, we already know you've got a fan base. Oh, my gosh. The reviews. Oh, I was talking about your narration. I guess I didn't know. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just a huge fan of your book already. It's fantastic. Now. Thank you. I want to go because you've been, as I said before, you've you've been on a massive journey throughout your adult life, and and you know you was a reporter, a journalist, an award winning award winning journalist for how many years? About ten. So from <laughs> college until about the age of thirty, I'm, I'm forty now. So that, which is it's kind of sad, but it's okay. <laughs> you wait till you hit fifty, like me. Um, that's just absolutely amazing. Now. Is writing something that you've always been passionate about? Is that what led you into journalism? It, yes, I've always loved writing. Even when I was a, a kid, I would um, I joke that I would write fan fiction before fan fiction was even a thing. Like when I was in first grade, I would write little stories about Thundercats and He Man just for just for fun, just for me. And then when I got into college, I needed a job, and since I was pretty decent at writing. I figured I'd work for the newspaper and I ended up falling in love with not just the writing aspect of it, but the, the reporting aspect, just learning more about the issues facing our society and, and the struggles that people go through, the, the problems with government, um, the, the ability as a journalist to inform the electorate so that they can make good decisions. There's, there's a lot that goes with journalism that I, I really fell in love with. So, um, I did that for a while and then eventually got to the point where uh, when COVID came, I had some spare time on my hands. I didn't have to commute. So I had a couple hours a day and that's when I decided to finally write my first fiction book. And, and that's what is coming out uh, next month on May 3rd. So that's pretty fantastic. excited about that. That's absolutely fantastic. Now I know you, 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 you know, you've mentioned in your bio, et cetera, that I looked at online earlier. Um, and I've researched it extensively over the last week. Um, I definitely get a feel that some of what you've seen and experienced as a journalist has influenced your book. Uh, that That's absolutely true. I think one of the things I learned just through journalism is um, the world is not perfect for a lot of people. And I know in the world of fiction, dystopian future novels are, are a big thing. But you don't have to read fiction novels set in the future to kind of see the dystopia of, of the world we live in today. And that's that dystopia of today's world is kind of what I wanted to highlight in the actual book, specifically um, the struggles of, of kids in foster care is something I've, I've, always, um, I've always empathized with. And I think that's something that um, 
a lot of people empathize with, whether or not they grew up in the foster care system or, or not. There are a lot of challenges in that industry that I was exposed to as a reporter. And, and there are some of those things reflected in the book, um, as well as juvenile detention. Yeah. As the yeah. series goes on, um, we'll get into more things that I found with uh, with religion and, and, and those types of issues. Um, it's still a, and even though the, the background of the book focuses on those kind of grim, depressing details, that's why Justin is so funny. He, he kind of brings a sense of, of hope and dark humor to the story. And um, I mean, even, even his name is a joke. So if it sounds too depressing, it, it's not, it's, there's, there's a, there's a hopeful message um, in the story as well. And it's, that's something I've heard from a lot of uh, people who have given me early reviews through advanced copies and a lot of the industry reviews is um, they just really appreciate the the message and um, the humor and kind of some of that hope within the, within the dark gritty background of the story. So now is Justin quite a fighter. Is he one of those characters who's been through hell, been through all these ups and downs, but just keeps pushing on and finding the strength to, to, to do what needs to be done. Yes, but it's it's hard for him compared to some of your other more traditional heroes. Like there's the thing about Justin is there's there's nothing special about him. He doesn't have any uh, big skill set. Um, he hasn't he's not in any prophecies. He's, he's not a child of destiny. Um, no lightning bolt tattoos on his forehead. So he he does. He desperately wants to fight. He desperate he desperately wants to make a difference in the world. It's just he questions whether or not that he, he can. You know, he, he tries and he, he he struggles and that that struggle is really one of the the central themes to the story but he's, he's a scrappy kid i like him see i like scrappy kids because you really really root for them don't you you know you really want yeah. to you yeah, he, do it he, he, he's definitely an underdog hero um and people seem to be relating to him so far and that's something that um i'm i'm really appreciative of to, to see that and it's kind of humbling to see a character that I created resonate with people. That's um, a very humbling experience. I'm very grateful for it. So, so where did the spark come from for, for your book? I mean, where did the inspiration just appear? So for this specific book, the, the concept was I wanted to do a story that was like a modern Oliver Twist, but with demons. And then, and there's still some of that in there. Um, but it kind of, it, it ballooned from there because I started drawing on story ideas that I had had for the past 20 years and kind of pulling bits and pieces from some of the best ideas that I had. For example, there's a lot of Babylonian mythology in the book. That's something that I was very much into in, in college and, and had a bunch of ideas that I wanted to explore. So I pulled some of those into this book. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of motivation that came from just some of my favorite pieces of, of pop culture. Um, there shows like Supernatural, shows like Buffy, um, Japanese anime, even a little bit of Power Rangers from, from my youth is in here. So it's kind of a hodgepodge love letter to everything that I love in pop culture, all centered around that Oliver Twist idea. So it sounds like it's crazy and wouldn't work, but it does somehow i'm not it sure really why. really does As said, <laughs> all the reviews that you've received and they've just blown my mind it, it's fantastic and i love the fact that you've given a whole different spin on something um it, it's, it's just 
thrilling. It really, really is. Um, Josephine has just joined us from the UK. Hello, Josephine. Um, Hi, Josephine. If, if any of you have got any questions um, with regards to, to Jason's career change um, and, and his fantastic upcoming novel, please put them in the Questions comments. about my receding hairline? <laughs> <laughs> Anything? Just put, put them in the comments. It'll be all good. It'll be all good. Now, you've, you've got three great schools of magic. Yes. That instantly got me massively intrigued. So you've got these three great schools. Are they very similar or are they very different in the story? They're more similar than they think, but they're very different. Each one is based on, in terms of symbolism, each one is kind of based on one of your main three world religions, so to speak. Um, and much like, much like when you look at religion, a lot of faiths, they do have similar core values, love your neighbor, kindness. It's kind of similar to these schools of magic. They all, they all practice magic. They just have different ideas about how to do so. And if someone tries to do magic in a different way that they don't agree with, they're, they're, they don't like that. They're going to, they're going to attack you. They're going to try to bring you under their control. Um, so there, there are a lot of similarities between the schools. It's just there are different, different ways that they have of practicing. What what sucks though in this particular world for people who use magic is you can no longer tap into magic directly. Earth has been cut off from the magical source completely. So if they want to use actual magic energy, they have to use relics that were enchanted with magic before the Earth was cut off from the magical source. So no. The, the set by the time we get to the second book, um, there's going to be a glossary to help people keep track of track of all the stuff. It's not the first book's easy to follow, but once we get into books two and three, there will be glossaries. So <laughs> I think it's fun. honestly, I on the more I find out and discover about your book and the characters and everything else, the more I think it's going to be so successful. I really, really do because it has all the elements that we love. You know, it's got the conflict, it's got the struggle, um, it's got the enlightenment. A it's cat. And a cat. And a even, cat. I love, I'm a, I'm a big cat person. <laughs> even my, almost all my reviews have been positive. Even in the one negative review I've gotten from an advanced copy, he, he, had, he went out of his way to talk about how much he loves the cat. Oh. That, that's how popular this cat is to the, in the story. He's, he is the breakout star of the novel. So. I think that's absolutely brilliant. I really, really do. I'm going to try and read some of the some of the reviews that you've received okay. so awesome. far, and I, I know it's embarrassing because we all have this imposter syndrome, don't we? That we that we yeah. struggle to get rid of. But I just want to read out some of the some of them because they're just amazing. So the first one is um, was from Book Life. They say the action is plentiful, and the magical battles sparkle. Sorry, spark with cinematic energy and imagination. That's exactly how I feel. Uh, honestly, I can imagine on a on a big screen going to watch it with my family in the cinema. I, I, I really, really can. The next one is from Kirkus Reviews. This whip-smart fantasy offers 90s nostalgia and an irresistible underdog hero. I love that. Everyone loves an underdog, don't they? They really do. Yeah, they're easy to relate to. So. Yeah, it's human nature. You always want to like root for the person who's at the bottom. The next one is from Online Book Club. 
They say, recommended for young adult fantasy fans interested in stories with a lot of action, thrills, and magic. I love that one. Um, We've got, we got one from, um, where is it? Bookwatch. Highly recommended for audiences who want their tales cemented by action, unexpected encounters, and thought-provoking emotional growth. These reviews are amazing. I, I literally, I could embarrass you for ages because there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's 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 very humbling. It's it's very. I it's it's um, you, know, you always hear authors and talk about how much they appreciate that kind of feedback, but it's it's true. I mean, it's it's. Um, it really makes all the the hard work worth it. I I just tried to write a book that I would want to read, um, and I'm grateful that that's resonated with people. So, yeah, yeah. Now, as an author myself, I know that you don't necessarily pick your main character as your favorite. It's not always the way it works, is it? You know, right. you, you know. You sometimes you really do. Um, connect with one of your, you know, more quiet characters or whatever. For mm. you, which character is close to your heart? Which one really sort of felt That's connection? A, a, a very good question. There are there are two supporting characters in the book that are kind of the the adults, so they're closer to my age. One, his name is is Gideon. He's kind of a, a mysterious character that um justin runs into very very early in the book and his background is is important for the story it's going to be important to the series as a whole um i can i can relate to to him as well as his kind of teammate the other adult in the story whose name is father caleb who is a he's, he's a priest but he's an unconventional priest and he used to be a street racer you know he 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 doesn't always use the the best language but um, those two I can relate to probably the most, specifically uh, Father Caleb, just when it comes to his his journey of faith going from some, which you don't, that journey will be told over the course of the series. But he, he goes from someone who's very much, um, he, he grew up in a family where his parents were ultra conservative and he did not like that very much at all. So he was very rebellious, but then he was able to kind of, find his way to a place where not only is he a, a man of faith, but he's a, a priest who legitimately believes in, in, in what he says. So he, he's really interesting. Um, I liked his story a lot. Uh, depending on how the main series goes, um, getting him father Caleb may get like a, a spinoff. So we'll, we'll just have to see. That's but, exciting. Yeah. But, but really it's just the fact that they're closer to my age. that helps me relate <laughs> to them more. Cause Justin <laughs> is actually based on, um, He's based on a few different people, but when I was starting out in college as a journalist, there was a very specific kid who was at a shelter for at-risk youth um, that I remember, and he's kind of the basis for Justin. I just remember him being so, he was so bright and funny and, and talented, but he had no confidence and his circumstances just sucked um so i i i just remembered him and i kind of used him as my 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 oliver twist of of the story so um yeah and and just out of interest do you know what happened to him i don't i was actually thinking about that as i was explaining it because he's probably like he's probably in his, his 30s by now yeah. so 
maybe he's watching and he'll be like, oh my gosh, I remember that funny looking guy from. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure he was a he was a good kid. I'm sure he made it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing what people can do with self-determination, isn't there? I had a friend yeah. at school who was in the foster system, um, and then my children had a friend on our neighbourhood who was in the foster system. Um, and I, my heart just broke for them because I think it was it's like living on quicksand. You never know each day what's going to happen, if you're going to yeah. get moved, if you're going to get, you know, if people are going to come and meet you for adoption. Mm-hmm. It's so... It's just a life of uncertainty. Yeah. Um, and and it uh, really, really tore me. And I've got to say, if, if we didn't already have four children um, so close together, because they were a handful, um, I would have been really, really drawn to fostering, but I just couldn't. I had four kids, it was just crazy. <laughs> right. No, yeah, that, that makes sense. But yeah, I don't know how uh... people do it with like seven and eight. I'm like, are you mad? How do you, how do you still go? <laughs> I know. None of my friends have the most any of my friends have in terms of kids is two. So my, yeah. my circle of people, they, they've gone easy on the kid front. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, no. No. Well, I've got to say all my children were happy surprises. <laughs> oh, that's, that's nice. Happy. Um, yeah. Happy surprises. That's yeah. Nice put it. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've had Darlene join us. Hello, Darlene. Thank you very Hi, much for joining in. We are live on Facebook and YouTube. If you do have any questions for Jason, then please put them in the comments. If you'd like to know more about him and his fantastic book, please pop them up. Look at this. It is awesome. Justin, honestly, I I love it. I absolutely love it. We've also got the fantastic Joanne from the UK. She says, hi, Michael. Hi, Beth. Hello, darling. Thank you for for joining us. I know she would love your book. For so, based on pre-order numbers, a lot of people like this seems to be more popular in the UK than it does here in the US, which is cool. I mean, that's interesting, but a lot of my pre-orders are coming from the UK. <laughs> you know what? There's no predicting it, is there? Honestly, no. Jason, I, I yeah. when I when I published book one, I was just blown away because the things that I thought was going to happen didn't. I thought the majority of my sales would be in the UK because I'm British. Mm. But it was actually the opposite. Really? Um, yeah, I know. Thanks, family and friends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm um, but yeah, it was really odd. But it, you know, I, and I think a lot of that might be because I was so active socially here in mm. the US, and and obviously that triggers different algorithms and stuff. But it was it was actually very very surprising. Um, Joanne says big readers here in the UK. I'd oh yeah, that. no, that makes sense. I would agree with that. I really would. And I, I do have quite a few online friends over there too. So. Yeah, it, it makes a massive difference. Now, out of interest, because I know I've interviewed many people, you know, over the last few years, and some of them read completely different genres to what they actually write. <laughs> what, what about you? I mean, have you always been interested in fantasy? So, yes, I actually started, in terms of what I read, I started out reading Star Wars books when I was a kid. Um, the Young Jedi series, those types of novels. There was a, a Star Wars novelist in particular that I liked. His name was Michael Stockpole. Um, he was probably the first author that I branched out to see what kind of fantasy stuff he'd written. So that's when I started reading fantasy books and um, 
now I do I do read a lot of young adult urban fantasy stories. I like Shadow Hunters. Um, there's a, a an underrated series called um, The Secrets of the Immortal Nicholas Flamel or something like that. That's really good. Yes. But, I, but then I also like kind of some of the some of the more thriller books. Um, I like the Jack Reacher series. That's that's really good. So it's it's a little bit all over the place, but mostly in terms of what I read, it's cemented in kind of that uh, young adult urban fantasy genre. And that's not even counting like comic books. I'm still a total comic book nerd. Um, I read more comic books now than I did when I was younger. But um, they're they're good pieces of literature, especially nowadays, because you see yeah. a lot of prolific popular artists writing comics, too. So it's it's interesting to see how they transform their work into a different medium um, the way they do. I think you have a different mindset when you're older, don't you? Because when you're a kid and you're reading comics, you you, you take them for granted. You right. don't actually realize that an artist hmm. has, has actually created all those images. You just, you don't even think about it really. Yeah. Um, you know, you just, you, you just thoroughly engrossed in the, in the actual story and everything else. But as you get older and then you realize that, it is a huge process creating graphic novels and comics. You know, wow. And I think you really gain a, a bigger sense of appreciation for their craft. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's totally true. Um, and just the, the debt. I know I, some schools, they actually teach um, in, in literature courses, they actually teach about comics to like high school kids. I yeah, know that yeah. Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns is a good example of that. Um, hopefully I didn't wonder the title. Someone will tell me that's okay. <laughs> but see i think that's a great thing because it gets more engagement from the kids yeah absolutely it's uh, important to expose them to that early and um it, yeah it's a really good door to open up for them absolutely and it's funny you mentioned star wars because i'm old enough to have gone to see the star wars movies at the theater <laughs> that is something to brag about say that with pride <laughs> uh, i went three times to see the first one i was in love Oh, it, it's so good. I, I saw them in theaters when George Lucas released like the special editions. I think that was in like the early 2000s or maybe late 90s. Um, so yeah, I, I never got to see the. Now, have you, do you prefer the um, the original kind of Star Wars or the one that they edited and put in a whole bunch of extra bampas and computer animated stuff that, that you didn't actually need? I love the originals. I can't yeah. have it because I, so, you know, I watched them on a Sunday matinee um, uh -huh. for next to nothing. Um, and, you know, it was a case of your parents dropped you off and you just stayed in the cinema and watched movies nearly all day. It was great. Mm -hmm. um, so I loved it. I mean, I fell in love with Star Wars the moment I saw it in the movie theatre because it was just, it was mind blowing. It yeah. really was. The only other thing we had that was sort of sci-fi and, and any good was obviously Doctor Who. Um, mm. The special effects in that in comparison to Star Wars were terrible. <laughs> Doctor Who's classic. Oh, well, not, I mean, it's still going on, but no, Doctor <laughs> Who's great. That's a good show. Oh, it was brilliant. Sometimes I was so scared at that. I mean, obviously we, we weren't as um, desensitized in those days, but I'd hide behind the sofa sometimes when the Daleks came on. I'm like, oh, they're a bit creepy. Well, there was like there was a mat one of the first episodes of the kind of of the more modern ones had like these mannequins or something weren't there like the freaky freaky mannequins that came alive yes that, that, that was pretty scary <laughs> i don't like mannequins i i'm scared of mannequins i'm scared of little girl ghosts and i'm scared of clowns 
mostly little girl ghosts. There was this one time I was with my friend Sarah. We were just sitting in a restaurant eating, and then there was a glass divider between us and the booth next to us. And I look over my shoulder, and there's this girl sitting there. She's just this willowy looking girl, maybe 10, with like long black hair. And I just screamed. And then she started laughing and said, boom, banged on the glass. <laughs> so it was not a fun experience. So yeah, little girl ghosts are scary. And there's a character in Dragon Metal who's also scared of little girl ghosts. So we, we, have, Interesting. we, we have used our writing to deal with that fear. Actually, that's not going to, actually, that scene isn't until the sequel. So never mind. Oh, the oh. little girl ghost comes into play in the sequel. You watched The Shining, didn't you? No. No. Oh, don't. <laughs> I don't know where it came. I don't know where it came from. Like, or maybe I did, and I just don't remember it. Um, oh, I did. But I did make the mistake of going to see um, that movie, The Ring, with some of my friends in college. Oh. That terrified me beyond belief. I, you uh, need both. I only watched. I, it. Yeah, I, I almost like asked one of my friends if I could spend the night in his dorm room because <laughs> I'm so scared. Pretty terrible. That was, that was creepy as heck. That really, really was awful. I, 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 yeah, that was awful. Oh my gosh. Now, I want to show your book cover again because we've had a few more people um, jump on and, and, and join us. Um, okay. Can we have a look? It is so stunning. I absolutely love it. There go. It is gorgeous. Now, tell us where does the dragon metal come from in relation That's to the book? In terms of where I got the idea from it, or uh, both, where you got the idea and and how it plays in the book. So it plays in the book in terms of. So I was talking before about how in this world, you know, the Earth has been cut off from the magical source. So if people want to use magic, they have to use relics, which are items that were enchanted before the Earth was cut off from the magical source. And these dragon metals are one of the most powerful relics that that are around there's 12 of them um in terms of where they come from um how they get their power that's one of kind of the mysteries of the series as a whole um you'll start to learn more about them in in book two i just finished the the rough draft of that but um yeah this kind of the mystery around where they come from is is one of the mysteries of of the series so i'm not going to tell you that uh in terms of where i got the idea i think it comes from uh Back when I was in, in college, I was just experimenting with different story ideas. And one of the story ideas that I had was just centered around uh, Babylonian mythology. Um, but I wanted to use it in a way that was kind of um, similar to some of the more popular anime storylines of the time. Yeah. Um, and, and, that, and that anime type aesthetic is kind of where i got the ideas of the idea of dragon metal like in my head it was very much an anime thing i could almost like see the visual of them like this anime character using it and and just the different all the different colors and the visuals that would go along with that so the actual dragon metals themselves were just inspired by anime in, in general um fantastic and and i'm i know a fair amount of anime because my daughter is an addict. She's an anime addict. She loves it. And I must admit, I've watched a few anime movies with her and they've been really, really good. Yeah. Like, really yeah, good. It's, it's it's very popular nowadays. It it wasn't as much when, when I was a kid. There were some there were some popular anime shows that were out there, but it wasn't as mainstream as it is today. So yeah, absolutely. It's, it's come a long way. 
It really, really has. It really has. Um, Theodore's just joined us as well. Hello, Theodore. Thank you for Hi, joining Theodore. us. In. Um, don't forget, if you have got any questions, everybody, just pop them in the comments and I can pop them up for you if you want to know any any particular details. Uh, are one. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> why, why are you talking to this guy? I oh, my God. <laughs> And they, they use this this isn't Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm hoping to get Matthew Mather coming, coming soon. But um, I actually, um, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but my editor for this book, she's one of the people who's worked with Brandon Sanderson on, like, Mistborn. And then um, she's also working with them on those Kickstarter projects that he announced a few a while ago. Yes. So that, that's, I have, like, top-notch editing team. Hopefully, that's I didn't get myself in trouble. Like Brandon, right. some lawyers are. I, I think it's brilliant, and it just goes to show how, how good a team you've got behind you. It really, really does. It makes a massive difference. But I do know that Matthew's actually just recently had a baby, so I might have to wait a while, unfortunately. But we'll see what we can do. Um, we've got a comment from Joanne. She says, "I've just looked at your book up online." And it sounds amazing. Looking forward to read uh, to read about Just In Case and the underbelly of civilization and about the monsters from Babylon myth. Sounds really, really good book. And something that from the first page would get you hooked. I agree. Well, thank you so much. That's so nice to hear. I, I'm glad it sounds interesting. I, I hope it doesn't let you down um, when you get around to reading it. And, and thank you so much. That means a lot. She's, she's a prolific reader. She really is. And she's one of the fabulous readers who leaves reviews, which is very nice. Um, Theodore says, I'm a reader and a writer. That's great. It's important if you're a writer to be a reader, so that's good. I agree. But do, do you find it hard juggling? I've got to say, I mean, I'm working on my newest novel, and, I, and I'm thrilled to say I'm 77,000 words in. Um, <laughs> I know, big achievement. Um, it is a big achievement. It is, especially with my cabin in chaos. Um, right. But it's a fine balance, isn't it? Especially when you're working and everything else, trying to find enough time to read and write. <laughs> it, it, that's 100% true. And what I found is a lot of times if I'm reading an author, if I'm reading a lot of a specific author and writing at the same time, I catch my writing style starting to mirror theirs. So for example, right now I'm reading the third Jack Reacher book. And I don't know if anyone uh, watching is familiar with, with, uh, with those novels, but the words are like the sentences are so short and choppy. And sometimes they're like complete sentences, but it's done in like this masterful, wonderful way. So yeah. I'm starting to yeah. notice that after I read, if I go write, a lot of my sentences are choppy. Like, he walked up the steps. The door opened. <laughs> you, know, you know, like three forward sentences. So it, it's hard to go back and forth. But <laughs> I, I think after a while, and I'm not there yet, but I think after a while, you just, it's, yes, your writing will mirror kind of some styles of people that you admire, but then it'll kind of turn into something unique as, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that, that takes time. It's funny, isn't it? Because I, I, I can't read lots of books if I'm writing one. For yeah. pretty much the same reason, because I, I, well, firstly, I've got a brain like Dory, you know, Dory the fish. <laughs> Honestly, I've got terrible memory. Um, so sometimes I'll be writing something and I think, is that my idea? Or did I just <laughs> that somewhere? 
and that's, I'm, that, that's not good. You know? no, and, then, and I'm so worried about it. I'll just take it out. Yeah. Because I can't trust myself, you know, to think, yeah. is that me? Or have I read that and I'm just remembering? So yeah. when I start a novel, I literally, I can't read any anybody else's work. That makes sense. So I know 100% that every thought and idea is my own. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I never, I never had that problem in terms of like the thoughts and ideas. To me, it's more of the rhythm of, of whatever book I'm reading. Yeah. Um, it's also hard for me. I, I have ADHD. So a lot of times I'll like, I'll have five or six books that have started and then just kind of stopped. And like right now I think over on the shelf, I have one, two, yeah, not yeah. I have like eight books over there sitting that I've I've started but not yet finished. So, yeah. Oh, I'm the other way. Once I start, I can't stop. I, I I'm a one book at a time. It depends, it depends on the book. It depends on the book. It does. I agree with that. I agree. Like now, the, what's, been, what's go ahead? I'm sorry. What's been the most surprising thing for you, um, going from being a journalist to an author? What's been the most shocking thing for you, changing paths? That's that's a, a very good question. I think it's the most shocking thing hasn't had to do with actual writing itself. It's had to do with the process of getting the book published and then the process of promoting the book leading up into launch. Um, one of the reasons that I started moving away from journalism was because um, I really believe in the core concept of journalism, but that's been... Um, that hasn't necessarily been been the focus these days. It's all about clicks and views and ratings and likes and social media. So I decided to write a book, and it's like the exact same things are in, are are in that area as well. It's different though because I it's not taking away from anything. If that makes sense, like with with in the world of journalism, if if you're writing for exposure, that's that's bad. Um, whereas with with a book, you could write the book, not think about commercial success at all. Then you can focus on just the commercial aspect of it. Um, yeah. And it's not distracting from anything because you're in commercial advertising mode. Um, I don't know if any of that made sense. I, I ramble. Um, no, so no, it does. It really does because I, I, I think in, in all areas of any business now, it is all about exposure. And as you said, likes, clicks, algorithms, and everything else. Because everything, especially since COVID as well, everything is online. Everything mm. is online. We've, we've had to adapt to, mm. to, to reach the masses. Um, and I think we've all been on a massive learning curve. <laughs> yeah. No, that, I, yeah, COVID's been interesting for, for everyone. But um, got to make the best with, with what you have. And for me, like, we're not even, even though, um, knock on wood, the worst of it is over for now. Knock on wood again. Um, like we're, we're still where, where I work, we're all still going to be remote. So, um, it's a lot of things have just changed permanently and you just have to get used to it. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll be interested to find out how many of our authors who are watching, um, how they cope with reading and, and juggling reading and writing at the same time. Um, it'd be yeah. interesting to, for you to, for you guys to let us know. Um, Darlene says, I find that my best only reading time is right before I go to sleep it helps me relax I must admit I do like nighttime reading the only problem is, is my eyes start going and then I have to reread half the chapter that I read the night before because I can't remember 
Well, yeah, and that that goes back to it depends on the book. Like I think, um, but no, that, that's a very good point. I think that is a great that is a great time to read. Also, at the end of the day, your mind isn't as cluttered. Like that that's one thing that affects my writing and reading is just having a, a cluttery a cluttery mind. But yeah. early in the morning, I found that that's that's not an issue. With so I I usually have a couple good hours in the morning and then a couple good hours at, at night. Um, so yeah, that that is a great time to read. Because you get dreams as well, I think. If you're reading a really good book, that gets your imagination going. You can have some amazing dreams. Like My dreams have continuity now. Like I like I'll have a dream. I don't know if like that happens to a lot of people, but I'll have a dream and it'll reference something that happened in a different dream like months ago. It's so weird. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that. I've been meaning to look that up on Google to see if that's a thing that happens to people often, but it's weird. It's crazy now. I tell you, dreams are. are responsible for a lot because my whole my whole trilogy started with one weird dream that just wouldn't leave me alone so it's amazing the power that your dreams can have really um josephine says um i use reading as a little bit of downtime from my writing and that's a good thing to do too especially (laughs) if you need especially if you kind of need a break from your writing just to kind of soak up some more inspiration that that's a good that's a good use of downtime from your writing and I know Don't Josephine is bogged prolific. down. Oh, say that again. I think there was a lag. I'm sorry. Sorry, Josephine is a pl- prolific reader. Right. <laughs> She's always got something on the go. <laughs> yeah. Make sure to keep. I mean, make sure not to not. If you want to be a writer, though, make sure to not let that downtime last too long. The most important thing to do if you're a writer. Not that I'm an expert. This is something I've heard people much smarter than me say. Is just just write. Make sure you make time to do it every day. Don't yeah, worry about yeah. whether it's it's good. It's just just get the words on paper. Um, yeah. I don't think Josephine has to worry about that. She's got about twelve published. <laughs> well, what? I'll have to look her up. Jeez, man. Oh no, she's, she's amazing. There you go. <laughs> she's like a reading and writing machine. I swear to you. <laughs> I don't know how she does. I will look her up as soon as we're done with this. Yeah, and she's got two kids at home. I, honestly, she's amazing. She's one of my one of my closest friends. Oh, I've been corrected. Look. 13. 13. <laughs> Lucky number 13. That's awesome. Well, good for Congratulations, That's a great accomplishment. Yeah, it really is. And our books are amazing. Um, before we go any further, I just want to quickly remind, remind everybody, um, if you want to participate in the Sisterhood of Traveling Books, where you can read mine, Josephine's, and other authors' books as well, because they're traveling around the country, please let us know in our group. Um, we are live on Facebook and YouTube. Woo, woo. Um, and I've got some fantastic news for everybody who's watching because, Jason, you've been kind enough to offer 10 ebooks in a giveaway. Da, da, da. Look at that cover. Free stuff. Everyone wants to sign up for free stuff. It's free. Free books are the best, Jason. They're the best ever. So if you would like chance to win one of these 10 fantastic, highly rated eBooks from Jason, all you have to do is share this interview. Um, You can share either the Facebook video or the YouTube um, or the Instagram when I do it later on. Um, It's up to you. As long as you tag me, or Jason, or both of us, so we can see that you've shared, um, you will get entered into the giveaway. Um, And you can actually share in book clubs, book groups that you're in, wherever you like, really, as long as you tag us and we see it. You can can print out flyers and post them around your neighborhood. 
Exactly. Um, you know, I, I was, this is a tangent, but I, I was at a, I went to my first supernatural convention over the weekend and I was like halfway tempted just to kind of leave a copy of my book just out somewhere for someone to find and pick out. I didn't do it, but it was, it was tempting. You should. I've been so cheeky, I'll tell you, over the years. Well, honestly, I, you're, you're talking to the person that will go into Target, go up to the book section, go to the fantasy section, and leave a, lo leave a load of free bookmarks on the shelf for anybody to take. That is an awesome idea. That is an amazing idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally stealing that. I'll do that everywhere. Because let's face it, I mean, you think about the places that we go to as authors. We're always in bookstores and, you know, doing grocery shopping or, or whatever. But free bookmarks, I mean, you can't get told off for leaving something that's free and that people can take away. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And it's a great way to get noticed, especially with a fantastic cover like yours. Um you you leave that next to uh, you know Matthews and Brandon's and stuff and leave you free bookmarks. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. works wonders. It really really does. Yeah, I uh, I'm excited about um, after I get a, a couple more books out, starting to go to just make appearances at like you know indie popcon and those types of places. I've met a lot of really good authors um, at those conventions. I think they're a great way for people who are getting started to kind of um, just connect with other people who are in similar situations and also connect with readers who, who enjoy that type of work. So I'm excited to, to start doing that uh, when it's time, but. I think it's fantastic. And thank goodness that lockdown is all, all starting to ease off and things are starting to get back to normal. So for you with your new release coming out, literally beginning of May, um, I mean, it's fantastic timing, isn't it? Because you will be able to sort of go to bookstores and, and do book signings and, and everything else. Is there is there anything else that you're really looking forward to now, you're, now that you're officially uh, an author? But right now, I am. Uh, what I'm looking forward to the most is just continuing to crank out the actual story. Um, you know, I've, I've finished uh, an edit of the first draft of the sequel. It went through kind of some rigorous content editing so I'm in the process of making some changes to that. I'm already starting planning out on book three. And then I've written a few short stories that I'm still not sure what I'm going to do with. But um, the, they're, they're really fun. I think my goal would maybe be to release them in some type of short story collection. But um, I don't know. So in terms of what I'm looking forward to the most right now, it's really just continuing to, to write the series. That's yeah. to me, that's what I enjoy the most. And it's... Um, it, it, it's important to have that enjoyment of what I'm doing. Otherwise it's, it's gonna, it's not going to turn out very well. So. Yeah. Agreed. Did you, when you started writing, did you know that this was going to be a whole series or did you think it was just going to be the one book? Uh, no, I knew it was going to be a whole series. I it's gotten bigger though. The more I've gone along, like originally I was thinking three now I'm up to seven in terms of, <laughs> And I don't, I'm not one of those people who has to outline every single scene in a book. I usually um, just write a few paragraphs of, okay, here's, here's the setting, here are the characters, here's what each character has to go through in terms of their journey. And then I just kind of let the story grow organically from there. Um, so it's a little bit of plotting, but also just um, having the story write itself. That's what I really love about writing is when the story writes itself, when you're in the zone, 
and words are just coming out and you're just surprising yourself and like, wow, that's cool. Or, oh my God, I can't believe he just did that. That's the, that's the best um, for me. So um, the, lo the longer I can maintain that, the better. Now I've got to ask you because I found it quite a journey when I was writing mine with, with my book one, I literally just winged it. I had no clue what I was doing. But it was three chapters before I even realized that I was actually writing a book. I thought I was just writing down a dream. Yeah. So I just winged it and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But then I, I suddenly started getting, you know, people were giving me all this advice and everything else on what I should and shouldn't be doing. Um, and it was a bit mind-blowing, to be honest with you. And when I started writing book two, because I was told that, oh, you should plan, you should plot, you should do this, you should do that. I thought, okay, well, maybe I should be doing all that. And I tried, and it completely stalled my writing. It was awful. <laughs> Did you have a similar situation? Uh, no, because uh, I was worried about running into that similar situation. So I... Um... I actually watched this YouTube video of Neil Gaiman talking about kind of his writing process. And, and he likes to talk about how, you know, don't, this is, this is a paraphrase. These aren't the exact words. He says it much more eloquently, but the takeaway I got was don't worry about the rules of writing. Don't worry about, you know, what other people tell you to do. Just tell the story that you want to tell, tell it honestly. And that's the only thing that matters. So for me, like that's that's kind of what I always have in my head um, when I'm before I sit down to start writing. And then there's another author. Um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, which only because I'm trying to think of it. But he's the guy that wrote the Doom books. And then the third Doom uh, book, Herbert Frank. Yeah, Frank Herbert. Thank you. In the third Doom book, he has there's kind of this extra where he kind of writes this little essay about his writing process, and I, and I love that. Um, that was actually that instrumental reading that in terms of finally deciding to sit down and, and make the book happen. But he he talks about how um, when when he was writing Dune, he basically said, "Okay, these are the themes that I want to hit on. Here's um, here here's the the territory that I want to explore." And then he just didn't think at all about rules or commercial success. He just sat down. And he focused on these are the themes I want to tell. Yeah, this is the story that I want to tell. Yeah. Um, again, he says it much better than that. So, <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So those, those two authors, um, their 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 words have really kind of helped uh, inspire me to try to kind of um, avoid some of the pitfalls that yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot a lot of people run into. So. I love it when you get well known famous authors who who share their knowledge and and show that they are they're just human and, yeah. and they're willing to say don't worry about it just write right absolutely you know just have fun and enjoy the journey yeah. and just write um and and that was that made things so much easier for me and it has mm -hmm. done with this new one as well I'm, I'm just enjoying myself and writing and you must i mean going from being a journalist and having to write really impactful you know, articles and, and news reports, going from that to just being able to use your imagination and just go crazy with your thoughts and just write for fun. That must be very liberating for you. It, it is very liberating. It's nice having to write without having a tape recorder that you need to replay. Or like, wait, what did he say exactly? Okay. now or, or like flipping through notebooks or 
you know, reading you know, court documents or financial spreadsheets. It's like just, it is really nice just to sit down and write. Uh, I would actually, when I was working in the newsroom, some days on, um, on lunch breaks, just to kind of clear out my head, I would sit down at, in, in the break room and just write little short stories during lunch for no reason other than just to, just to do it. Um, uh, yeah, so that, that, that's, that, that was definitely a shift, but, uh, but a positive one. Not that I didn't enjoy it. I mean, I really loved, um, I really loved working in the newsroom. Uh, that was, that was a lot of fun, but it's just different. Yeah. I, I'm really thrilled that not only did you have a, a fantastic career as a journalist, but you've also had been able to take so much from it and use it for being an author as well. I think that's absolutely fantastic. And I always think that when you can use things from experience in your books, um, it gives that sense of realism and authenticity, doesn't it? Because, you know, it makes the characters more relatable. You can set the scenes and make them, it make the readers feel like they're there. It just, yeah. it just, it's, it's just absolutely amazing. It really, really yeah, is. That, that that's completely true. I think um, uh, it's important to, no matter what your background, it's important to write what you know. And I think when you look at some of the, uh, you know, all the authors I like, they've they've kind of followed that. They've they've followed that mentality. You know, people yeah. who people who grow up in Detroit, their characters are, are in Detroit. Um, and the same thing on you know television shows. You know. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. The guy who made that show was from Philadelphia. So, yeah, Stephen King. A weird example. For, for exactly. I think Stephen King's most of his books are based in Maine. Yeah, that's yeah. Pretty much everyone I've read. <laughs> and a lot of a lot of authors always say, "Oh yeah, I based this character off of my friend, you know, so and so," and that's yeah. that's totally true. So yeah, you've got you've got to write what you know. Um, that's yeah. why it's important to you've got to live your life because if you're not out there living a life. You won't have much to write about. Exactly. Other exactly. Than, like, couches and the journey of the potato that got lost. <laughs> on the couch got sucked up by that. That actually be an interesting little kill children's story. Follow the potato chip. Yeah, if it was done right. Someone, someone feel free to take that idea and go with it. I, I hereby grant a, a, a cost free royalty to use that idea. You have permission. You have permission. Right. Uh, Sharon, uh, Joanne Shaz says shared. So shared. she's shared the video already. That's fantastic. Thank um, you. We have been live on Facebook and YouTube, and I, it's been an absolute pleasure to interview J. Michael White, or Jason as we know him. Thank you so much for joining us today. I can't believe that hour's flown by already, Jason. It, it has. Time does fly when you're having fun. No, I, I'm I'm honored to, to be here. I was very happy to happy to join you, happy to chat. It was a lot of fun. So thank you very much. Well, you are awesome. And I can't wait for your book to come out. Just so everybody knows, you can pre-order um, Jason's book. There we go. Hold it up there. Look, just in case. Oh, just, it's fantastic. Just in case you want to pre-order. <laughs> just in case. I love it. See, you're a marketing genius. <laughs> you really, really are. Um, if you would like to win one of 10 free copies of this fantastic new release, then all you have to do is share this interview, either from Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, or wherever I've uploaded it to later on, um, and tag myself or Jason, um, and you will get entered into the draw. Um, 
Thank you so much, everybody, for joining in with the fabulous Jason and I. It's been an absolute blast. Uh, Jason, if you wouldn't mind just keeping tabs on the comments for the next week or so in case other people who watch it later on, I've got questions for you. That would be awesome. And, uh, and we will see all of you next time on the Witty Writers Show. Bye for now. Thank you, everyone. Bye, Jason.